Stand clear. 100% Wild Podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to Definitely Not Your Favorite Outdoor Podcast. Hang on, it's ringing. Yeah. Deer season customer support. This is Tim Chelswick. I'd like to request a refund. Yeah, I need one of those refunds too, Tim. <laughs> so this is the I'm, 100% Wild I'm just Podcast. Satisfied. You're a crappy hunter. I'm a crappy hunter. We got a good hunter on today. 75% wild right now. In the bio of the show, it clearly states that we're not very good and we have great guests on that are very good. Yes. You're Tim Chelswick. You're Matt Drury. And the season's and officially over. Yeah. And honestly, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, it's definitely a relief. Like I don't feel the need to like, Oh, I got to figure, I'm looking at DeerCast to see when I can go out next. And cause it's, it's a, it's a grind. The late season sucked. It was so warm outside of those few days right before Christmas. The late season really was warm in general, very mild. And that killed yes. my late season strategy altogether. I mean, it just, you know, we're in the St. Louis area and it never really got too cold. So, uh, it just sucked. <laughs> well, the, the weird thing for me was I had a few new shooter bucks show up right on the edge of daylight that kind of gave me a little bit of hope. Like they're just uh, messing with it you. Just, it's just Lucy <laughs> holding the football for me. I'm gonna go for it again, and yeah, it didn't happen. Well, so the last couple of days of the the last two good days of the season, I think it was like the 12th and 13th or something like that. I uh, I had to go to Indianapolis for the ATA show, just a kind of a quick pop in. And uh, but when I planned it out ahead of time, I looked at the 14 day forecast in DeerCast, and the day I was in Indy was actually supposed to be a super warm day. Well, by the time the 14 days came to fruition and rolled around, it was it moved up a day, and it was it was the cold front. One so, more proof that DeerCast uh, is fake. Yeah. So Scott went out. And he hunted with Ben, and they they didn't have any luck that night. Well, the next the next night, so it was that I couldn't hunt that evening either because I was heading back yeah, from yeah. Indy. I, I told Sky I needed to go. Well, somebody I'm not going to name names. Somebody allegedly that who doesn't listen to this podcast anyways <laughs> set a meeting up internally, <laughs> and it was for three thirty. So Scott didn't go, and mm. I'm not even lying on the Reconyx cameras. His shooter popped out, ran to the blind, literally ran to the blind he would have been sitting in yep. and fed underneath it for the last like 10 minutes of That's daylight. In the pants. It was Friday the 13th. So yeah. <laughs> that was his last, that was our last, that was our last hunt. So, oh, brutal. Yeah. Well, I, it, Great way to end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was able to take a couple does here at the very last, uh, at the very last of season, which is great. You know, feel the freezer and everything. But I was up last night, so I processed them. I think I killed on the 4th and the 7th. And they've been sitting in the fridge ever since. It's so much work to process your own deer. <laughs> I, every year, I'm like, eh, maybe it is worth paying someone to do this. Because yeah. I was up till like 9.30 last night just trimming fascia and fat off deer but and think of you're just such a better man tim <laughs> well i don't know where those points are gonna come from no certainly them. not from your wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i even made uh i made venison chops last night i saw that look good they were so good can't wait to try some of your leftovers but today I, I you can i brought one for you i knew i knew yeah. you, you always do thank <laughs> thankfully you're the only way i can eat any deer meat <laughs> I, and, and i made it like i plated them up real nice and i was like hey beth 
I got I got venison chops. Oh, who and cares? <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm working on something. Hold on a second. By the time she got to them, they were cold. <laughs> it's just not the same. They were like steaming and yeah. still sizzling from the cast iron. As uh, as Cameron Haynes says, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I should no longer be surprised. Uh, all right. So I'm, I am looking forward to today's podcast. We have a special guest with us that we've I've been wanting to have on for a long time now. Just we, we just failed on our end to ask her so one more in a string of failures yeah I mean, so, we're good at all these failures so dialing in from iowa we've got big buck killer don jensen what's, what's up, up don? don hi guys so we we needed to have a guest on that knows how to kill deer not only knows how to kill deer consistently but knows how to kill big deer i mean you every year i'm always amazed because you know it's not just one and done you're always killing at least two big bucks and most of the time you're self-filming so i you know i know tim deals with that a lot like i can't imagine the difficulty there but the other thing that always impresses me is the work and effort that you're putting in on your own to dial in on these whitetails so i thought it'd be fun to have you come on you had another great year this year i think did you kill three different bucks and then boat you filmed bow kill a really nice deer as well I did. Yep. So, so Dawn's on critical mass. This is, I think we're filming, I think season six, five or six, I think six. And for six years, Dawn's been the most consistent big buck killer on the cast. So we got to know what's the secret. Asking (laughs) for a friend. Oh gosh. I can't give away the secret. Come on now. Damn it. Uh, Short show. (laughs) Probably just, you know, Iowa's notorious for big bucks and we're just in a really great area. So along with that and managing our property, that's basically the secret. So when you go into it, when, cause you're originally, are you from Minnesota? Is that right? I am. So when Minnesota. you, okay. So when you lived up there and growing up, did you hunt then? Or I know you and Bo have been together a long time. Is it once you guys got together, you started hunting and kind of got bit with the hunting bug? Yep. That's basically it. Um, my family was not a hunting family. We lived in town, stuff like that. So like you said, I kind of got bit with the bug when I met Bo and was just around it. Um, just piqued my interest, got me into it, spent a lot more time outdoors, um, watching people hunt and stuff. So I just, I wanted to do it. So I just, did what I had to do. I got my hunter safety certificate and the next season I went out and both helped me get a doe. And Dawn, what was it that appealed to you? Cause, be, because becoming an adult hunter is not, it, it's kind of a rare thing. Oh gosh. <laughs> I started hunting about 20, 21, 22 years ago. So it's a little fuzzy to say exactly what got to me, but it was just something different, something I wasn't used to. And then um, I've always been a, a learner. I've always wanted to learn new things. So, um, like and then I also saw like the camaraderie between his buddies and him. So that was really fun too. And it was something we could all share together. So as you've evolved and, and continued down this kind of hunting journey about when did you start? Cause I know, I know, you know, the two of you, and I know that Bo cut you no slack. Like you're, you're out there hanging sets. You're out there dragging your deer. You're getting your deer. You're doing all the work and he, you, there's no shortcuts. So at what point did you, you know, did it really click for you? Cause, cause you say, Hey, we're in Iowa. We're in a good area. 
you know, we manage our deer, but it's still not easy. And I don't care what anybody says, no, no matter where you're at, it's still not easy to consistently kill mature bucks. So what is it that I, I think, you know, sets you apart from, you know, is it time spent in the preseason? Is it the preparation and food plotting? Or do you guys even do much food plotting? Like what's, what is it that, that sets you apart there? I don't know. I feel like we do a lot of the same things that a lot of hunters that are really into it do. I mean, we're scouting all year long, whether it's, you know, picking up sheds, putting out cameras, driving around in the evenings to try and like put our eyeballs on these animals in the late summer. Um, but we're also doing our own food plots as well. I mean, we're trying to strategize where on the farm to put what fields, um, which one's close to the bedrooms, which one's you know, where we want our grain for late season, stuff like that. Um, and then it's just, I mean, you just got to go in and basically pick, you know, where are we going to hang our stands? Where are we going to put up our blinds? There's a lot of work, as you guys know, that go into it. Um, there's, I can't say there's like one specific thing that sets me apart or sets us apart from anybody else. You just got to put in the work. You just got to do your homework do the actual work and then you hope you're right i guess <laughs> well i was re-watching one of your archery hunts and it was a self-film hunt you heart shot this really big buck and <laughs> and just the presence of mind you had to pick up the tripod move it over to another window after yeah. the shot to get the to get the deer going to what you got you got him going down I think you deserve some kind of award for how you filmed that because that was really something. Well, thank you. I mean, it's self-filming is not easy by any means. Um, I wouldn't say I was forced into it, but I kind of had to um, because I didn't have a cameraman. So if I wanted to get out there and hunt and I also wanted to film it, I kind of just had to buck up and do it. So like I said, um, or you said, I have a camera on a tripod. I have a couple of different angles capturing what's going on in the blind. And when I'm self-filming it, I don't wanna just get the shot. I wanna try and like get as much of the hunt as possible. So mm -hmm. I honestly can't even tell you like in the moment if I'm processing that and I tell myself to pick up that tripod, it just happens, you know? Um, it's award-winning footage. So always, Pete, uh, something that always stuck with me, Pete Shepley always said, give your give yourself a task or, you know, something to do when the, the deer to kind of help with, you know, buck fever or anything mm -hmm. like that. I wonder if, you know, self-filming is so difficult. I wonder if you're so focused in on the elements of producing the hunt that it allows you, like, I, I don't know if you get buck fever some people just don't as bad but if you're so focused in on trying to get it on camera if that's helping to calm the nerves because i mean maybe you're just not turning it in but i've never really seen you take a bad shot you know <laughs> so <laughs> no i think you're right there i think it gives me something else to think about so then i don't think about being nervous on my shot um now that you say that i can think back and there's many a times where i've been a hunter a really long time um you kind of just go into like autopilot mode, I guess, because you've been doing that for so long that when you have the production part of it to think about that autopilot's already going, now you're just focusing on capturing it on film. And it does help with the nerves, I think, a little bit for me. So on your set, how much poundage are you pulling on your on your archery setup? 
Um, last, I re- last I checked, I think I'm about 50 pounds. So, you know, are your shots, are you looking at a certain yardage as far as taking a shot or is there, you, you know, what's kind of your comfort zone when you're out archery hunting? When I'm hunting, I typically like to have everything within the 40 yard range, yeah. um, give or take. So that's where my comfort zone is. So, you know, you, you have a, a, a daughter and how old is she? Three, four, She's three. Three. She's 13. (laughs) So, I I mean, how much time do you realistically get to practice shooting your bow? Because that's something I found once we had kids that it just, it was harder to find the time I used Mm -hmm. to have to just go out on the range and shoot Mm -hmm. however long I wanted to. No, it's definitely difficult. Um, You know, before I was thinking, oh, I'll, I'll shoot when she takes her nap. Well, there's so much stuff that needs to be done throughout the day that when nap time comes, like shooting my bow ends up being one of the last things I think of. But um, I definitely used to shoot a lot more than um, I do now. But uh, now that she is getting a little bit older, I can task her to like watch a movie or play with some toys. And then I can sneak out for half an hour increment and shoot my bow a little bit. Um, but there for a while, it was really tough to get out and practice just because, you know, as soon as you leave the room, that's when they need you the most. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and probably there will come a time very soon where she'll realize, hey, mom's going out to do something cool. I want to go out and join her in that. So then you have to manage a little one kind of walking around while you're trying to get some shooting. In. Yep. It's very distracting when she does want to come out. But I mean, I love that she wants to. I love that she's interested in it and she wants to see what mommy's up to. But like you said, it becomes a different kind of distraction then. So it's, it's cool on social media, you know, you'll see Dawn and her daughter out in the blind or walking out into the woods or you, you guys really, you know, she's a part of your lifestyle and it's neat to see it. She seems to really enjoy it. Uh, You know, how is she out in the blind? You know, we took her a couple of times last spring and we were turkey hunting and, um, she was not very quiet, so we really didn't expect to kill a turkey or anything at that time, but it was more so making the memories and getting her out there mm-hmm. to see what we're doing. Now, this fall, she's matured a little bit more, um, and she's good for about the first 45 minutes, like, interested in the outside, you know, looking at animals or pointing out trees and stuff, but... After that 45-minute mark, I'm really glad I have an iPad with some mm-hmm. headphones with because then that's when she's really quiet and still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably not going to win the Dad of the Year trophy this year because I didn't. Bo wanted to go out deer hunting with me. My son's name is Bo. And, uh, and Daddy just struggled really hard this year. But it's squirrel season is still on here in Missouri, <laughs> so we're going to go out. That's and, probably more up his alley where he gets to walk around in the woods and <laughs> make a little more noise. Yeah, yeah, it's really hiking with a 410. That, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so so kind of circling back to strategy and, and, you know, how you guys are setting, you know, when you look at, say, say you had 100 acres, uh, you know, 100-acre property, is there a certain amount of trail cameras you guys are trying to put out to get your inventory or, you know, is there kind of starting at that point in the season? What's the strategy there? Well, I will be honest, Bo probably does a lot more of the camera placing than I do. Um, But I think he's more strategic on where he puts it. He's going to put them on field edges near Mm -hmm. foods. Um, 
and maybe tuck one in where he thinks their bedroom is. Um, and then you just don't go in after that one for a while. But cell cameras helped you in that regard, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys even running many regular cameras anymore? I find myself almost totally out of, I, I have a couple, but I, I have a hard time using them anymore. I got actually, we, we do still run quite a few of the regular cams. Yeah. Are, so are those the ones where it's easy to go in and check? Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You and Bo ever get a little competitive about bucks on the property? <laughs> oh, little is an understatement. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, I see. So what, so Let's what, dig into this. <laughs> yeah, so what happens when? Because some, I mean, the deer you killed were not small deer. How did that? How did those conversations go down after the fact? Actually, really well, to be honest. Um, he's he's actually really good and supportive of me going after some of these big ones he had a really big one he was after early season and i kind of just backed away and let him have it um but that kind of pigeonholed him to like one area and one deer so Even i better. was more open to <laughs> roaming around the farm and just picking whatever's in that that part of the farm yeah sure so as you guys kind of establish, you know, cause I, I know he's, you know, you're staying, you're competitive, but I'm sure you're both very happy for each other when, when you guys are killing these deer, cause he, you know how much effort and time each other is putting into it. Is he in this, he's not really filming. I know you filmed one of his hunts this year, but for the yeah. most part, he's not really filming much of his stuff, is he? No, not really. Huh? So that, I mean, that does make it a little bit easier to just pick up and go out and kind of gives you a little more freedom to hunt tree stands and you know what i mean i'm sure it, it makes it a little bit easier tim's looking at me like no it doesn't <laughs> like i would live oh, for that <laughs> for sure it does and he he kind of gives me crap all the time like you know if you weren't filming you could go to this spot and sit in this tree and it would Shut be pretty up, easy this deer will probably walk by <laughs> But. Next time he tells you that, just tell him Matt said to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did try a self-filmed tree hunt this year, and the spot that I went to, he had really trimmed that tree out, so it was really tough. Um, and I had a deer come in, and it was within 40 yards, and I was just like, I was stuck. I couldn't move because there was nothing concealing me, and there was no way that if a big buck came in there, I was either gonna get it on film or shoot it mm -hmm. it, I it was gonna be a bust <laughs> yeah so so that that is something that i noticed you know most of your hunts are in a blind which that's basically like mark all his hunts are in a blind anymore i don't know if he yeah. i don't think he's hunting a tree stand in a couple two or three years that i can recall yeah. terry still hunts quite a bit out of the stands like especially during <clears> the <throat> rut and and stuff like that but when you're filming i mean like especially if you got a tripod it's oh yeah, that makes it so much easier to get away with some of that movement to to be able to move the camera where you need to. That was it last year. I'm trying to think back on critical mass where you had a hunt where you were. I feel like you actually picked the camera up and like you moved it forward to get a shot of the deer right under the blind, and then it was I a did. big deer. <clears throat> yeah, that was. Um... Yeah, that was last season before this last one, and that was on my Jaywalker buck. Um, he was coming in so close to the blind and I wanted to capture that because, mm -hmm. you know, people say, oh, I had a deer right underneath me. Well, sometimes you don't get to see that. So I wanted to kind of capture that a little bit. Um, I pushed my luck a little self-filming trying to do that kind of stuff mm -hmm. because I'm not sure if you saw the whole segment there, but I did kind of bang the blind with the tripod yeah. leg. 
and he kind of jumped a little bit, but he was still so focused on that decoy that it didn't scare him off. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like that's, that's what stuck with me because we here where I'm hunting the leases that I'm hunting, it's, we can't hardly move. And even in a blind, you're like, Oh no, it's soundproof. And we're, we're, they can't see you. It's like, I, I feel like they have a sixth sense in this place that I'm hunting. And here you're, you're moving the camera almost out the window. And I was like, how hey, the hell is she getting away with this? <laughs> oh, I was just lucky. He was focused on that decoy. If it was any other situation, I probably would have gotten busted. So do you, do you use a decoy a lot? I mean, I tried this year quite a bit and it, it, if there's no does around, I find that I have decent luck with it. But if there's a doe, you know, a group of does come in, I feel like they just key in on it and just do not like it ever. I have the same, the same experience. Yeah. A lot of times when I go in, I'm hoping that I don't have a bunch of does come out, but yeah, when does come out, they kind of just freak out about it. I don't know what it is. It's, the, the, the bucks don't mind it so much, but the does, they don't like it. So are you using a, a, a real, like a mount, a real head, like a taxidermy head on your buck decoys or uh, you, no, just using a straight decoy out of the box yeah. decoy. Yeah. I mean, I'm self filming. And when I use a decoy, I'm also carrying that in too. Mm. So I don't think I could, I don't think so I could strap stuff. a mount on my backpack. No, you're probably right. Cause I mean, even when, when Scott and I do it, it's, it's a handful of stuff for both of us. But when you, cause he's usually got his crossbow. I usually got my vertical bow mm -hmm. plus the decoy, plus the head, plus all your shit in your backpack. It is, it is a haul, especially if yeah. you got a ways to walk in. Right. Yeah. I feel like a Sherpa. <laughs> what, what about doe management? What do, do you guys do much of that? And what are your, what are your goals, uh, for, for taking a few out? Uh, previous years. Yes, we do typically, um, shoot plenty of does. Um, friends come in, we tag them. I mean, we love filling our freezer, but this year we noticed our doe population was actually down significantly. So, we didn't do any doe management this year. Well, I mean, do you think you got a little bit of an EHD die off or how's that just our, our predators or how's that just kind of die off on its own or, or decline on its own? You know, that's, that's a really tough question to answer because I don't feel we had a major EHD breakout, you know, this past summer. <laughs> But we do have quite a bit of predators around. I know I've seen numerous coyotes and bobcats this year. I know Bo has. Um, you can hear the coyotes. I mean, you don't always have to see them, but you can hear them. You know they're there. But um, I was actually talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they were actually tossing around the idea of wondering if the drought over the summer had some effect on their health. Um, so I'm really not sure what it is, but... Like I said, our doe and our fawn population are down quite a bit. You would certainly think it would have an effect on the fawn population. A, a major drought would have some sort of effect on the fawn population. And, I, you know, I could see I could see that, not enough nutrition or, you know what I mean? Not but the doe, you, you would think that'd be tougher. The drought, I mean, it, it was a major drought, but you would think it'd be tough for that to put a, a hurting on the doe population unless there was some sort of... Or EHD or something. Yeah, or that that, that drought would have kind of a, a staggered effect, like maybe next year 
reproduction would be on the lower side. Sure. But I mean, these last two doe I killed both had twins in them. Like, Oh really? Yeah. Life, life must be good for them because they're, they had a ton of fat on them. Uh, they were big and, and these deer are li- deer are living back in the timber. I mean, they're so not, you're a baby bag. killer. <laughs> Dang it. Should I have tagged those other? <laughs> that... <laughs> oh, <tags>. shoot. <laughs> So, <laughs> we get off track, Don. Susuri. <laughs> but we're not going to win any awards for our podcast. We're no one's favorite. <laughs> Definitely not ours. <laughs> Speaking of awards, I um, it's funny you mentioned that because I heard you guys, obviously, Tim mentioned he didn't have a very good season. And he had to go doe hunting. I heard you haven't had a very good season, Matt. No, are we about to be made fun of? Uh-oh. What's that? What's <laughs> well, I just wanted to let you know I got you a little something to commemorate oh, your season this year. Let's let's. We, is, we got something. Oh man! What? Bet, I, bet, how'd you guys what? plan this? Oh, what is this? It's That's hilarious. Trophy. It says, "Dear season 2022, you stink." <laughs> and it's a little skunk. <laughs> did you guys get skunked this year? Uh, yes, uh. in Missouri, I did. I went up to Iowa and screwed Mm-mm. that up. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's fabulous. Did worse than getting skunked. I hit one of Mark's deer poorly, and we found it, but it was it took a while. So, it just I don't know, man. We had a tough season, and I. I I, I don't really have any good reason why. I, I mean, we had a couple early encounters, but man, once the gun seasons hit, I, I never saw another shooter <laughs> daylight, and it wasn't yeah. for lack of trying. So I don't know. I've heard a lot of people actually say that that their shooters they were very frustrated because they would not daylight. For Dear do suck. <laughs> you know, de- so b- before the season started. Terry was talking a lot about the moon and how screwed up the moon was. And he felt like even though he had his best season of his life, he felt like it was going to be a very difficult season. And the moon was just kind of backwards for the time, the time timing of it through deer season, you know, and talking with like, say Aaron Bennett here locally who, you know, he's a white tail properties agent and he talks to a lot of clients and, and we have a, a circle of friends here that all hunt and almost all of us got, you know, had a tough season mm-hmm. or didn't see our shooters or just, he, he was saying that in the last month and a half or two months, none of his circle of friends were even getting pictures of, of shooters. I was still getting pictures, but they were just nocturnal. I mean, I'm telling you, like if it was last light was 523, 524 shooters, <laughs> like that kind of timing. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It was just a tough year. I would, like- I, I would say like the deer that I actually ended up killing, they weren't on camera all that often. Now the eight point with the drop, he was kind of photogenic. It just depended on, uh, he was just really picky. Like he was very photogenic before the gun season started. Hmm. So I was like, I'm going to go here. You know, I had my landowner tag this year. So I'm like, I can hunt this spot. Um, as soon as I started hunting, that deer decided to not move again. I swear. Mm. <laughs> Until that one night, I finally got to see him. So what What do you think broke loose? Like, what was the time? What, what, when? Because you killed one early on, right? In October. But then you killed two more late season, right? Yep. So what was, which deer are you talking about here? When the late season deer or when, that early season buck? Oh, well, my second deer. So it would be my first late season buck. 
So what do you think broke loose? I mean, was the moon, you know, was it moon phase? Was it a cold, you know, stretch? What was it that broke loose for you there? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I just feel like he was running so hard during the rut and that's when we were actually seeing him because our gun season is after the rut, you know, around here. And, um, I feel like he kind of just went into that hibernation mode after the rut. So like he just needed to recharge kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the one night I went out there, it was just one of those perfect evenings. You had blue skies, you had high pressure, the sun was shining and every other deer started coming off of the hill. There was no reason he shouldn't. And he did exactly that. He came off the hill as well. Um, but before then I had hunted about every single day of the shotgun season and didn't see him. And it was like, Oh my gosh, like you can hurry up now because my days are running out mm -hmm. and I can only hunt this spot right now. Yeah. So as you know, that is interesting because when a deer, when the, when the weather's perfect like that and you start seeing early movement from the doe groups, the fawns, the young bucks, it all you do always get this feeling whether it happens or not you always get a feeling of like tonight could be the night especially when they you know are all moving like that it's that trigger yeah. it's as Mark and Terry always say the light switch event where they all just start moving and it always gives you the hope like okay he's gonna do it tonight's the night he's gotta move everything's moving <laughs> right I, I try not to have that thought because it seems like whenever I do, then I, you know, I see early movement and then nothing else. <laughs> That's just it happens so a lot too. It happens for me a lot. Yeah. So on the deer, cause the early season deer was, and I don't, I know that you guys are notorious. You, you, you don't, the, the score is in the matter. You're, you're hunting for age. Um, but that early season deer I know was an absolute giant. So had he, you know, what was it? A late October when you killed him. Yep. So what are you honing in on that part? Because I know the moon at that point in the year, the moon was almost going into the dark of the moon. Wouldn't it have been? So you're, you're going into a crappy moon phase. Was, was there a weather front that moved through? Was he hitting a green food source? Like what, what were you honed in on in that hunt? Um, it was more so just trying to get lucky that he's going to pass through mm -hmm. Um, looking for one of them first hot does. Mm -hmm. um, we knew he was in this area. We had trail camera pictures of him right in front of the blind that I sat in and killed him in. But I kind of got set in that spot because of a wind change. I was hunting a different area, but because of that, I couldn't. So I switched to this spot. And even going into this spot, the wind was still a little bit sketchy. It was you know, blowing almost directly to a water source that all of these deer were going to. Um, so I was still just kind of placing my my cards on the table going into this spot and luck have it, he came from the opposite direction. So he was upwind and he walked right mm -hmm. through and he was, I'm assuming he was gonna go get a drink cause he was headed that direction. Um, but lucky for me, I had a couple of young bucks out there that he decided to socialize with for a little bit before hitting my wind. How, how close was he when you took that shot? He was about 19 yards. Okay. I think yeah. even we could <laughs> make <laughs> that shot. Kind of shouldn't it. say that because who knows? <laughs> we find a way. Well, funny thing is, is I actually let him, I didn't let him. I wasn't prepared for him to be coming in the way that he was. And he probably walked past me at like 12 yards. Oh. And 
that window, I just was not set up. I wasn't ready. Obviously, I couldn't see anything coming from that direction. I just got lucky and saw some movement out of the corner of my eye. But by the time I got ready, the camera moved, um, the bow in hand, he had already passed that window. And gosh, 12 yards is really close. So I'm kind of glad I took more of a 20-yard shot. Oh, yeah. So as we look ahead here, you know, what's the next step for you guys at this point in the year? Do you do you guys do any supplemental feeding or do you kind of let let the farm take a break and then, uh, you know, shed season? When is that for you? Mid-February, late February, or you do wait till March? Um, or The buck that I actually just killed on January 5th, Bo had made a comment. He's like, well, you know, you're lucky you killed him now because, you know, he's a late shedder and you know, he'll be fine. And then as soon as we went to pull him up into the ATV, he popped a side off. Oh, really? He's just going to shed within three or four days anyway. <laughs> that always amazes me. I saw, I know, noticed Lee and Tiffany had a couple deer that that happened to this mm -hmm. year. And the team throughout, you know, throughout our history have, uh, have had a few of those happen where they go up to recover the deer or the deer ran into a tree on his way to expire yeah. and popped one off. <laughs> and it's, it's always crazy this time of year. It's a crapshoot really. Well, and I wonder too, sometimes if, just that immediate adrenaline rush for the animal being shot and running, if that doesn't release some sort of, you know, mm -hmm. chemical or hormone or something that doesn't speed up that process. Yeah. Years back, my father-in-law shot a giant eight point and had both sides on, ran out of the field with it, fell and both antlers popped off. Huh. Like, so I wonder if going into the next growing season, if they shed, like, you know, some of these deer have shed in mid-December. Mm -hmm. If they start growing sooner, if that actually helps them grow a larger, mm. you know, l yeah. larger headgear that following year. I don't yeah, I don't I, know. I'd be yeah, worth I, asking I, a biologist. I, I, I've wondered about that, and I, I would guess that time is less of a factor and more of what's in the genetics and the nutrition cards. Yeah. But I don't know for sure. Yeah. We'll have to ask. Yeah, I, I worry about that, too, like – you know, Bo and I, we talk about the earlier that they shed, it worries you, you know, are they going to make it through the winter? Are they healthy enough? Yeah, yeah. certainly. I, I think there's enough people talking about deer that is shed early that I don't know that it's, of course, I shouldn't say that because Mark, I know all, all summer talked about EHD and he thought he was going to get just hammered with EHD and it, it never happened through the fall. Cause then, cause you know, August, September hit, it didn't happen. Then he thought, well, it could be a late, you know, trickle type of EHD, October, November, and it didn't happen. And so who knows, maybe, maybe this, that is, you know, them dropping early is, is a side effect of that. Or maybe it's that they're building up sort of an immunity to EHD and that that's a side effect. You know, they dropped, they shed early, but they are going to be able to survive it. And, you know, who knows? Cause it was a, I mean, it was such a major drought this summer yeah. that you would have thought we would have had a, some die off. Now I think the difference was we didn't have a wet spring eat like a, a majorly wet spring, mm -hmm. which can contribute to the midge and the hatch of, of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we also got a lot of rain in a short amount of time there in, what was that early September or late August? Yeah. So I don't know what that does washing away midge eggs or whatever that have been laid on a bank. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of speculating. <laughs> we know nothing. <laughs> and we what? stink. We you stink. stink. I'm, we're keeping this on the, the podcast set the rest of the year until we kill well, something. Heck, we've earned them, man. <laughs> we Why definitely not? earned them. Jeez. Um, Don, I, I'm, I would like to know 
who you set this up with. <laughs> yeah, Dawn. <laughs> you trickster. Well, you just want all the secrets this time. That's right. <laughs> I need to know all your secrets. <laughs> well, well, how about turkey season? So do you guys have plans for that? What, like, what's that looking like right now? Oh, I'm super excited. Um, right before I came down to our office, we have, you know, a wall basically full of windows that overlooks a bottom field. And on my way down here, <clears throat> I saw about three or four toms already strutting. So they're practicing for April. Yeah. But um, I'm super excited. I've noticed over the past season that our hatch from last spring was great. Um, we've been seeing a ton of turkeys here on the main farm. Um, and then, you know, we have our Missouri farm too, which Bo, he mentioned, we, we need to get down there. There's a lot of turkeys down there. So I'm really excited. We get a couple of tags here in Iowa. We get a few in Missouri. Mm -hmm. And he's actually kind of excited to go bird hunting for once as well. So um, when, it when it comes to being a favorite, turkey is, I love my whitetails. But besides them, turkey is probably my second favorite. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot. It, it's such an interactive. It's just a lot yeah. more fun, honestly. Now, if they're if they're nothing's gobbling, <laughs> it it feels like uh, late season <laughs> and deer deer yeah. hunting, where it's like where are all the deer at when they're not gobbling, man. It can be tough, you know. But man, the early early on in the season when when they're really firing up in the morning time, it's it's pretty spectacular. Well, and the the lack of having to manage and always be freaking out about your scent. It's such a <laughs> mental relief to not have to like if the wind switches on when you're in your blind, whatever. Right, exactly. Still. It always amazes me during turkey season. Like I hardly ever see any deer. You know, say oh, really? we're hunting at Dad's place where uh -huh. you know that there's a high deer density. Yeah, you hardly you're in the timber. You it's like where the hell do they it's go? It's the opposite for me. I got deer like walking across my legs as I'm sitting at the base of a tree. Really? It's just, yeah, it's <laughs> stupid. Huh. Yeah, we have a lot of deer too. I mean. I always kind of feel like the two go hand in hand kind of around here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, we've got a real wild clip. So, Don, I don't know how you're doing on time, but we've got some shenanigans to get to. You're welcome to stick around or Jet. I know you're a busy mom. Oh, no. I'm like I said, I'm basically free until about 3.30 when I got to leave to go get Riley. All right. Perfect. You're going to regret well, having said that. We said this one. Other, I forget who it was that we had on. And we we said, well, you can leave now if you want. Or stick Tim, I think. Tim. Sylvia. Oh, Sylvia. The yeah. first the first podcast. He's like, eh. The one we didn't record. <laughs> I'm going to roll. So he stuck around. No, the guy that stuck around then regretted it. Was that him? I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, it was the second time we had so, him on. Buyer beware. <laughs> yes. You've been warned. <laughs> so um, so my buddy Tony, he runs uh, TC Property, and um, uh, he, he does he does groundwork for people, like, like, you know, trash outs and putting in food plots and stuff. He got a call from a guy where he has a couple trail cameras set up. He's allowed to have some trail cameras set up to watch a couple good deer, but he's not allowed to hunt. So this guy called him. I would never want to Dude, put my trail camera. It's, it's killing him because there well, yeah. is a really, really good deer on that's, the property. That's like, that's horrible. That's torture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the guy that owns the property has no idea how important whitetails are to him or a whitetail hunter in general. He's like, yeah, you could, you could put a camera out. That's fine. But he won't let him hunt him. Won't let him hunt him. But he did let him come and help him out with this problem that he had in his pond. All right, let's check this real wild clip of the week out. Tony, take it away. Property owner, 
called me and said that he found a couple of deer floating in the pond. Okay. I have a feeling I know which deer they are, but we're going to go up and take a look and see what we find. So he's so the scene but is it's a, it's found a is two pond. bucks. He's got seem to have passed while fighting. Two bucks that were locked up. We're going to see what we can do. Yeah, and they're floating in a pond. He doesn't know exactly who they are. And he's but he's getting tuned. a little John we'll boat to go out there, and he's paddling them like to the shore. Do some more picks and videos and stuff as <laughs> he's we retrieve them. Trying to pull them out here. Oh, pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> he's got them tied up with a rope, and he's dragging them to the shore. Oh my goodness! He's got a tacticam on his head. So, yeah, he's got a. Today. Suburban St. Louis County. That's a lot of antler. That I brush hog. And that's St. Louis County? Yeah. Called me yesterday, said he had a problem laying Fenton in his pond. Ish. That eight point. So they locked nice. up eight pointers. Yes. They're both nice. Uh, what a shame. Like I mean, going. just think you about those two deer getting locked up and then then falling into the pond or fighting in the pond or whatever. So does he was he able to I, I'm sure he got salvage tag and all that stuff. Was he, he able did. to then is the landowner letting him do any kind of like landowner taxidermy with it? Landowner just wants him out of the pond. Sure, the just guy dead, rotting his, carcasses. Yeah, the guy loves his bass and catfish. He wants the pond clear. <laughs> so Tony is going to get a mount. Uh, a local taxidermy studio has, uh, has has offered to do the mount of these deer locked up. And so he's going to, I think he's going to get shoulder mounts of, of this, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sucks for him, but he can't hunt them anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still getting some antlers off the property. He wasn't going to be able to anyway. So. <laughs> I don't know how I would feel about that. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough, he, the guy does let Tony shed hunt the property. So this, he's got a huge, huge buck out there and, and Tony picked up both, both sets, uh, last year. Nice. So. Well, Tony, thanks for sending a clip in. It was pretty cool. Unfortunate for the deer, but neat to see. Yeah, yeah. What a shame. What two great deer. All right, what's next? How about that question of the day? All right, Dawn, prepared to answer a question that you don't know what it is, and I don't know what it is. Tim does all the prep work. He never get, he never fills me in ahead of time. Intentionally. <laughs> all right, so the question of the day is probably presented by Deercast Windcheck. <laughs> Proudly, I said, not no, probably. Read it. <laughs> oh, no, you put in probably. <laughs> okay, so now today it's probably presented by Dear Castman Wait, what did he say? P p pick the right access and the right stand with custom wind animations out to five days with Dear Cast Windcheck. All right, we got it from Chris today. My name is Chris Barton Hagen with Barton Ranch. I have a YouTube channel if you want to check it out. But I have a problem with keeping deer on my property. <laughs> Uh, I plant about 100 acres of green grass, nutritious stuff. I'm a cattle rancher, so I kind of know nutrition stuff about grass. Um, I don't know what's going on. I've lost three melanistic, and my target bucks are getting run off. My entry into the property for hunting is very covert. I've never spooked deer. I feel like I'm doing everything right. I predator trap. I try to make it as appealing property as possible. I do doe management. Um, how do I keep bucks on my property for me to harvest? Okay. So that I, it sounds like he's got a decent sized property. If he's planting a hundred acres of grasses, I mean that's a big that's a big farm. Cattle cattle farms mm. a lot of time in my experience 
don't have a lot of bedding, a lot of timber. I mean, it's all browse to to the dirt, like yeah, and just the briars remains. So I mean, not without seeing the property or seeing the layout. My first instinct is there's probably not a lot of bedding there, and my second instinct would be. I wonder, he's got all this grass, but he didn't really dive into what exactly. I mean, it may be nutritious for the cattle, but and certainly deer would graze on that kind of stuff, obviously. But is it specific to the types of thing that that a, a whitetail likes? And I have an ex, a little bit of an experience with this from one of my leases that runs cattle on it. And, and when I plant food plots, it's tough to keep the cattle out that they're constantly breaking through the fence you know that the farmer has to get a sign up to get, yeah keep out <laughs> they didn't seem to read it nah. but it, it is interesting like they once they smell that man or, or get a taste of it it's hard to keep them out of there so mm-hmm. i don't know if he's got the ability to really fence something off or, or get something Hot kind of away up. from where the cattle are that's specific to you know clover or something that that deer you know radishes or anything that whitetails really hone in on there is a difference between that and just a, a grass that the, the mm-hmm. that might be nutritious for the cattle yeah so th- those would be my first kind of takes on it without knowing anything about his property yeah don any uh any suggestions for our buddy chris i mean mark or matt kind of hit on it i mean you have to have something that's palatable for the deer and i agree when it comes to cattle farms i mean Deer and cattle don't really mix that well from my experience. They'll pa- they'll go through the pasture, but they typically don't stay in there when there's cows in there. Um, we've had a lot of deer not stay on us either. And sometimes they just have their summer spots and their fall winter spots. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't really have a good answer for him, but maybe try something that's more palatable, um, maybe some TSI work. I know, I know it's cattle ground, but maybe make it more comfortable for the deer. Yeah, it, it probably wouldn't hurt, I mean, to understand what your neighbors have that is potentially drawing the deer. We also don't know the number of cattle he's running because it could be he just got, got so many that the deer just kind of feel pushed off at some point. On, on that Ellsbury lease that we have, there's a little track of timber and it's actually fenced off. And that's one of our best rut spots. Yeah. But it's fenced off from the cattle, and it's thick as hell in there. I mean, it's it's a good bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard to hunt, though. It, it, yeah, it can be. But during that time of year, you know, just getting in there. The hard part about hunting it is getting, you know, you, sh- you could trim your lanes all you want, but they pop up on you mm. so quickly mm-hmm. because it's the mm-hmm. under growth is so thick yeah but uh that maybe maybe it's that there's a section of timber that he can like she said tsi but but then fence off or something i i don't know without seeing it it's really tough to give him great advice on it yeah uh i think chris's youtube channel is a series of humorless comedians that he highlights barton so mm-hmm. hmm. i'll check it out Just, yeah <laughs> don't expect to laugh okay humorless comedians not funny tim i never i never much like you sometimes no wait that hurts and it's true but you didn't have to say it god all right all right palate cleanser it's wildlife word time the wildlife word is absolutely brought to you by live doppler radar in deercast maps see current and forecasted precipitation animated directly onto your hunting areas okay 
So Don, I'm going to give you guys a term and then it's a multiple choice and you get to guess which definition is the actual. And the guest always goes first so that I can cheat and use their answers because <laughs> I don't know the answer. Okay. Here's the term. Antlerogenesis is the term for what biological process in whitetails? Is it A, when a doe's sister has a fawn, making her an ant? B, when they collaborate with <laughs> Phil Collins? C, antler formation? Or D, clearly this is a made-up word. What was the word again? <laughs> Uh-oh. Antlerogenesis. <laughs> Never good when we're starting all that way. I mean, I want to gravitate towards the one that sounds educated, which is the third option, but I guess I really don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go with C as well, antler formation. Okay. You are both correct. Well, we're, we're smart people. We're, we're clever people. Antlerogenesis. I'm practically a doctor of... Idiocracy. <laughs> I watched that movie a couple months back. Idiocracy. Like, yeah. A lot of this is True coming now. to fruition. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, that's Mike Judge at his finest. Yeah. We need some shout outs from you guys. We don't have any Just currently? Sitting there. Oh, man. Consuming the show, enjoying it. So, how do they leave a shout back. out? They can do it on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, give us a review. All right. Well, if they listen That's on so Spotify, Tim. You can do it on Spotify also. Those are the only two platforms I'm aware of where you can leave reviews and ratings. They better be good ones. Yeah, <laughs> we will come find you. Yeah. All right. So last piece here, Don. This this is the part of the podcast where are you in the – I always ask every Drew Outdoors team well, member. <clears throat> it's are My batting average is pretty crappier <laughs> at this point. Yeah. But are you in the Rack Pack? It's a Facebook group. I am not. Okay. <laughs> well, I will say this. You and most of our team are not. You're <laughs> but, a good company. But what it is, it's a Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group private. That, you can, <laughs> that you can join. And it's basically our audience, the listeners of the podcast. And uh, a lot of shenanigans happening over there in the, in the Rack Pack. It's, it's just a cool spot to kind of see people put their hero pictures or ask questions or anything like that. So we every... We've had a rash of people try to get in without answering the questions. What's I'm, that mean, Tim? I'm, it means that I'm trying to protect you all from unsolicited spam because there are fake Facebook accounts of like, hey, we have two pallets of ammo and it's at discounted rates. Are, are they like, hi, you're cute? Well, <laughs> those I the, assume are real. Yeah, those all get in, right? In fact, I, I am corresponding on my Facebook profile right now with a young lady named William Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> the profile, she's very pretty. She's very pretty. Her name's Her name William. William. And so I was I'm... like, oh, thank you for your offer of friendship. Uh, <laughs> Please tell me what I must do to. Are you lonely? <laughs> How do you know? Are you asking her? <laughs> this is part of the bit. So anyway, so the Rack Pack every week we read. Tim lists out a bunch of new members that join the Rack Pack on this here sheet of paper. Every week I read the names. I usually botch most of the people's names. Yeah. And every week there's a fake name amongst the group that I have to kind of weed out so before i say the names i do want to say i met one i met sub, several of our rack pack members Any at the fakies a, no they're real people okay at the ata show i was only there for like not even 24 hours yeah and i probably met i, I don't know five ten people that were nice. listeners and and on the rack pack one of them being i think his name was lucas uh kincaid yeah yeah, yeah. 
Hunting on the edge. Yeah. So this real quick, the story where I'm walking through the trade show, this, this kid comes up to me and you could tell he wanted to say, hi, I'm, I'm talking with, um, Tim Wells's daughter, Sydney. Yeah, yeah. And we were just talking about some of our mutual business partners. And he came up and he and she goes, you know, I thought maybe he would be coming up to talk to her, which is which I, that's what I natural. Would do. This is what you should be doing, mm-hmm. Lucas, by the way. He came up to talk to me and he wanted a First picture. Mistake. And Sydney had to take his picture. And I, I asked her, I go, I wish there was somebody here to take the picture of you taking the picture of me, because usually it's the other way around. Yeah, so. wow. Yeah, you por- were the bell of the ball. Yeah, Lucas has poor taste, and <laughs> clearly, <laughs> that's, so sort of share that <sighs> funny story. Uh, anyways, so here's the names: we got Ty Kratz, Kretz, mm. Mark Locke, mm. Charles Armstrong, Mel Utonen, Melatonin, mm. fake name. Got Whoa. it. That was Whoa. easy. Tim, make it harder. Brian, <laughs> Alan, shut up. All right, Brian Welsher, Stefan Landry, Stefan, really. Is that? I don't know. It could be Stephanie. But there's okay. There's just a knee. There's no I. Who knows how names are formed? Deborah Cass, Hunter Hennigan. I like that name. Good old Jared. Hunter Hennigan. <laughs> Begin again. Jared Otta. All right. That's Jared it. Jared Otta what? Fell na- f- fake name. Mel Atonin. Brian Welsher. <laughs> so, Don, this is the kind of stuff you're missing out on. Pretty exciting to me. I'm in the middle Wait. of nowhere all the time. That seemed disingenuous. <laughs> that did seem. Well, melatonin is important because right now that's one. That's the the beginning of the chemical cascade that signifies a deer to pop its antlers. Isn't that also something that helps you fall asleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I thought you said it was you know important right now because the audience is falling asleep. That's also yeah. true. <laughs> God bless you if you're still listening at this point in the show. Yeah. Hey, I want to say hey. we, we did our year-end numbers, and the podcast <laughs> skyrocketed this year. Why are you laughing? <laughs> this is true. This is a true story. Uh, it, yeah, it, it is true. It just continues to be unbelievable to me. That people listen and yes. more people join and yes. listen. Yeah. Yes to all that. And and that we still don't get any promotion from our own company. <laughs> yeah, we are the little engine that could. <laughs> that is trying. And I could say all these things because no one within our company listens. <laughs> Sometimes there's casual swearing on the show. No one but no one bothers. No. So. I, we will be doing a few more uh, fan shows. So if you want to be considered to be uh, highlighted on an episode, there's a link in the show notes. You can click that and leave us a, a real quick one minute or less audition. All right. Don, before we depart... Is there any words of wisdom that you can leave us with? You're killing deer consistently every year. We cannot do anything consistently other than the podcast weekly. (laughs) Anything, any help. Do better next year. I don't know. That's the same thing Mark told me. (laughs) That basically is the same thing he said. Don't give up. I mean. Oh, I want to. Hey, I've had years I got gunked fewer. I shot one or. You know, you whiff it once in a while. I mean, are you even a real hunter if you don't have a crappy year once in a while? Yeah, like we're going to go with that. I like that yeah, advice. Yeah, are. I'm a real hunter. Now I'm a real hunter. <laughs> I'm a real crappy hunter. I'm a real boy. <laughs> well, Don, thank you for joining us. Thank you for our, our skunks, our little trophies here. We're going to probably Cherish display them. them for the rest of forever. Probably. 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 probably and probably. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. Until next time, peace out.
DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.